Hey y'all, Tanner Dimling, back with y'all again. This is the first of our NCAA preview podcast from WorkCrossBucket.com. And the way I'm going to do these is basically I'm going to go through alphabetically two conferences. Um, you know, I don't know. Because let's see, we are the first game is February 1st, correct? Yes. Um, so it over the next couple of weeks, I'll probably put out because let's see, there's about tell me how many conferences there are. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, excuse <clears throat> me, ten conferences. And the independence. So I'll go through every single one of those. Um, so 10 conferences in the independence. That's basically 11. There, there'll be one. Um, one podcast where I do go over two conferences and the independence as, as their own thing. So there will be one. It'll probably be the last one, um, which will be the NEC and SOCON. Probably go over the independence in that one as well. Um but yeah, I'll do about you no, know, so about five, six different podcasts here where there will be um looking at two conferences per podcast here. Um I have opened the Twitter DMs and Instagram DMs for questions and I'll answer those at the end. So here's how we're gonna do this. Mention two podcast uh, two conferences per podcast. I will go over what the conferences looked like at the end of last season, the standings and the conference champions, the conference tournaments, and then I will look at kind of an analysis um, for each conference heading into the 2020 season. So starting things off here with the ACC and the America East. The ACC, Virginia won the 2019 ACC Conference Championship game. Now, remember, the ACC Conference Champion does not get an automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament because they do not have the right number of teams. That happened when Maryland left for the Big Ten, which created an ACC that does not have an auto bid in the NCAA tournament. But the winner of the ACC tournament is likely is going to get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large anyway. So the ACC, you know, they kind of created, or not created, but they kind of create the most mess of any conference out there. The American, they, you know, they are usually one, one bid. The winner gets the bid, except for, what was that, 2016, I believe it was, which I think 2016 I mean, we're going to look back at that year. 
Um, and I mean, that was one of, you know, people talk about 2017, 2007 in college football. I think 2016 for me is kind of the 2007 of college lacrosse. Um, but getting into things here, the ACC, Virginia won the ACC championship game. They beat Notre Dame in the tournament in the in the ACC championship game. And every team makes the ACC tournament. Yes, that's correct. Every team makes the ACC tournament. Um, the bracket last year, so it was Virginia one seed, Duke two seed, Notre Dame three seed, North Carolina was that fifth seed and the host. They had to play four seeded Syracuse in the play-in game. Yes, there's a point. Well, first round game as they call it, but a play-in game to the uh, semifinals of the ACC tournament now that everyone gets in. The America East saw UMBC win the tournament and get that bid to the NCAA tournament. It was their fourth conference title in program history. They also won titles in 2006, 8, and 9. Uh, UMBC, the first American East Championship they've seen under uh, Ryan Moran, who I believe is in his going into, it might be his third year there, uh, maybe fourth, but third, third year there, I believe, at um, UMBC. They upset Vermont to get that championship last season. Looking at how the standings looked to end last year in the, each conference, Virginia was, so Virginia in the, so in the ACC, Virginia was 6-1 and one in conference and the top dog in the ACC. Obviously, they proved that to be true winning the ACC tournament. Duke was 3-4 and four in conference. Syracuse was the number three team there, 2-3. and three. Notre Dame, 3-4. and four. And North Carolina, 2-4 and four in the ACC. In the America East, Stony Brook was 5-2. and two. Vermont, and they were the top team in the AC, in the America East um, in terms of the standings. Vermont was 5-3. Albany was 4-3. UMBC, who won the conference tournament, was 4-4. Four four. UMass Law was 2-4. And, and so was Hartford and Binghamton. As they sat in second to last and last place there in the America East. So that's what things looked like. Now, looking ahead to 2020,
things are going to be interesting, I think, in both of these conferences. Now, I mentioned the ACC probably is the biggest mess that we have, uh, creates the biggest mess in the country. You know, personally, I think Virginia is the best team in this conference once again. But I will say this. Duke and Syracuse, I don't think, are too far behind them. And you're going to hear a lot about Syracuse this year as they kind of revamped their offensive personnel in a way over the offseason, getting transfer Chase Scanlon and bringing in Pat March as their offensive coordinator. North Carolina is another team to watch as well, and I think a lot of people are pegging Notre Dame, who lost assistant coaches over the offseason and who lost some pretty decent personnel, especially on the offensive end. Um, and we saw what they were able to do. Um, they're in the tournament. And, like, they kind of had a revelation there. And, and Johns Hopkins, granted, it was not the best version of Johns Hopkins we're ever going to see last year. But they had a good stretch at the end of the season. Notre Dame comes in in the tournament and beats them 16-9. to Notre Dame then takes Duke to a one-goal loss in the uh, so Notre Dame loss to Duke. By one goal. In the second round of quarterfinals. Of the NCAA tournament. Notre Dame does return. Brian Costabile and Brian Willits. Also Connor Marin. Wheaton Jackaboyce. Two sophomore attackmen. That should be leading the way at that attack spot. Along with Brian Willits this year. I think their offense is going to be pretty decent. They, you know, they lose Vital Garnsey, who only played in two games because of his academic eligibility issues. They also lose Brendan Gleason, a senior midfielder who graduated. Um, and but I think this is a team that has some. I think Notre Dame and and, and North Carolina are in similar situations where they have a lot of youth on the roster. Uh, Matt Schmidt is a, a junior goalie for Notre Dame. I think he should be even better this year than he was last year, and I don't think he was in particularly bad last year at all. Now, <clears throat> Notre Dame, they do have some changes um, in personnel. So, you know, most notably, Jerry Byrne, the longtime defensive coordinator for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, has left and is now the head coach at Harvard, where he will likely uh, do a, a, a very good job there. Um, Ryan Wellner has come in, the for, uh, former associate, was he the associate, he was an assistant head coach at uh, Navy running their defense. He will be the defensive coordinator now at Notre Dame. And also Chris Wojcik, who, funny enough, was the head coach at Harvard, comes in 
and will be an assistant at Notre Dame. I believe he'll be running the offensive side of the ball for the Irish. So you have two new assistant coaches coming in. Um, Kevin Corrigan has also, you know, built a very solid program there. A lot of youth at Notre Dame, a lot of youth at North Carolina. I think because of, excuse me, because of that, also North Carolina gets in transfer Chris Gray from Boston U, who led the nation in scoring in the regular season last year. Because of that youth um, on both teams and North Carolina, I think, is a step ahead of them. You know, UNC and Notre Dame are probably the two most interesting teams for me in the ACC coming in. I think Virginia, Duke, and Syracuse are definitely the top three, but those two bottom teams there, UNC and Notre Dame, are definitely probably going to be the most interesting to see how they progress. Now, Virginia, the defending national champions, I don't think there's any question that they can win the ACC and return to the national championship game here in 2020. Will they repeat? I, I'm not necessarily ready to jump on that wagon and say Virginia is going to be to repeat. I think they have too many questions on defense. Kate Sostad was injured out for the entire fall. You know, how much does that play an impact with him coming back this spring? After having an injury, I don't know. Um, but Virginia certainly has the talent. Here's who they return. Matt Moore at midfield, junior. Michael Klaus, attack, senior. Ian Laviano, attack, junior. Doc Aiken, midfield, junior. Or excuse me, senior. They lose Ryan Conrad, who I think was heavily underrated as a senior in his whole career at Virginia from the midfield, and he could run both ends as well. They lose Mikey Herring at the attack position, who was that third attackman for them. But Xander Dixon, who's a, a sophomore attackman now, is returning. Jeff Connor, who is a sophomore midfielder, is also returning to not necessarily replace them, those guys that I mentioned that they lose, but they can step in and fill that void. Also, Jared Connors, who's a defenseman slash LSM, uh, he will be a senior this year at Virginia, and I think he is the horse that makes this team run. He is the motor of this team also. Um, sophomore faceoff man Petey Masala had a fantastic season last year, especially in the postseason. So with all this Virginia team returns, it's hard to say that they're not gonna be a top team in the country coming in. It's just hard to say that. And they're definitely going to turn some heads again in 2020. 
Alex Road, who's a junior in goal now, is going to be the anchor of that defense. He had some issues, not some issues, but he had some struggles early on. He got benched for freshman Patrick Birkenshaw, who has now transferred to Penn and will compete for that starting job up there in Philadelphia. But this is a Virginia team that is very, very good. And I honestly think when you look at all that, when you look at what what the teams in the ACC bring back, I don't think there's much more appealing than Virginia in 2020. Duke, however, is a bit, they, you know, they are a team that, you know, people always expect them to maybe trip on the trip on their shoes, shoot themselves in the foot, whatever you want to call it, in February. They got upset by High Point last year. A very good High Point team. But they didn't lose again until March when they lost at Syracuse and at North Carolina. That Syracuse game was played at um, Sierra North High School, by the way, which Syracuse will play multiple games this year again as the Carrier Dome is being put um, its renovations. They're putting a new roof on um, from what I've read. But they, they went on a fairly decent, um, pretty long stretch of games. They didn't lose from February 9th at Jacksonville to March 16th when they beat Towson and then lost on March 24th at Syracuse, a Sunday um, afternoon game. Now, they did have some close ones, 10-9 against Denver, 11-7 against Richmond. Utah gave them a scale for a second, 12-10 against Towson. But this is a Duke team. They always it's it's kind of always the same thing for them. Like they, and I believe this will be the if they go to the championship weekend again, this will be the fifth trip in a row. I believe this is a this is a machine here at Duke that while Virginia may be the most talented team in the conference in terms of how things look on paper. You can't deny that this is a Duke team that's going to make some noise, not only within their own conference, but nationally as well. Nakai Montgomery, I expect him to take an even further step forward as a, as a junior, as well as Joe Robertson at the attack position coming in as a junior. Now they do lose Brad Smith, Joey Manown at attack returns as a senior. They lose... C.J. Carpenter. They lose Jake Sayal, who, as a fifth-year senior last year, really started to come around, and he played real good in the pro game this summer. So they're going to miss a couple of these guys that they lose, but they return a very, very solid core of, uh, of guys on this team. I think the biggest loss for them, most likely, is going to be that di- – on defense in Cade Van Rappost. Now, G- JT Giles Harris, I think, is the best defenseman in the country, and he's going to be able, like, this is his defense now. 
You know, it's been Cade Van Laphorst and JT Giles Harris for the better part of the past two, three years. This is JT Giles Harris's defense this year. And, you know, yeah, Turner Upgrade returns as a fifth-year senior. Um, and, I mean, those two guys are going to be the leaders on that defense. Turner Upgrade and goal, JT Giles Harris at close defense. You know, what concerns me is do they have enough there? Because last year they had Giles Harris and Van Laphorst this year, just Giles Harris, but they also return some pretty solid defenders outside of him as well, um, expecting some younger guys to step into a bigger role. So, I mean, this is, I think, honestly, when you're looking at it, looking at the ACC this year, Virginia and Duke, are looked at as the top two teams in this conference for a reason. And Syracuse, yes, they yes they they have a lot of youth on well not a lot of youth but they have they had a lot of youth last year that really stepped up. They have a lot of newfound energy up there at Syracuse. And I know there's a lot of Syracuse fans that aren't happy with the way the program's gone, unhappy in in the recent um, the recent use. Two first round exits in the NCAA tournament is not acceptable for Syracuse. They're not playing the Syracuse way per se in terms of winning. But Syracuse returns a good that you know I mean I certainly personally peg them as the third best team in the conference behind Virginia and Duke I think there's a chance that they and again Pat March I've talked to people that have that have uh, are around Pat March that know Pat March some people that have played for him and they've mentioned you know, his when you look at the success that he's had on offense, he was at Vermont and at Princeton before coming to Syracuse. Vermont, he took that offense to another level. Syracuse, they had Michael Sowers. He even took them up a notch. He knows how to coach talent, and the one thing that I look at with him and at the stops that he's been is the shooting percentage has gone up. Every place he's gone, he's improved the shooting percentage which means they're taking better shots, smarter shots. The system that they are playing in allows them to take higher quality shots. And a higher quality shot, most of the time, is a smarter shot. So that's the one thing with Syracuse that I will say. I think, you know, getting Scanlon and getting March to lead that offense does not solidify anything. That does not solidify anything. Just having those two things, gaining those two things this offseason, and adding them into, and also Tucker Dordovic is coming back after sitting out last year due to an injury, and that's big as well. But just those three things do not solidify that this team 
is going to go to championship weekend to win a championship at either the conference or on the national stage. This does not solidify them as a championship program. Are they a championship program when you look at the history? Yes. But have they been playing like it over the past, I don't know, five years? Not so much. I do think we see improvements at Syracuse. Maybe not to the liking of some Syracuse fans. But there will certainly be improvements. And if they are able to go on a run, and I'm going to pull up their schedule right here. If, if they're able to go on a run and do the things that I think they can do, especially offensively, this is a team that they can have success. Now, they open up with one, two, three, four home games. And um, Colgate, Binghamton, Army, Hobart. I think they can win all of those games. The toughest teams out of those four are Hobart and Army. Now, they play at Hopkins on March 7th. That is obviously always a big one. And they play at Rutgers before they get into the ACC play. Well, they'll play at Duke. They play Notre Dame at Sierra North High School. Then they play at Albany, at Cornell, back-to-back on uh, April 3rd and 7th. And they play Syracuse at Sierra North High School. And they will end the year on April 18th, playing at Virginia. So, And again, they got upset, upset by Colgate last year. I mean, it starts there. They can't let Colgate come into the Dome and take them down like they did last year. Now, Colgate last year, granted, when you look at the overall success as a season, did they have the best season? No. But they had some good talent on that team. And they played right into Syracuse's hands. They they got Syracuse to play the way they wanted them to. That can't happen against a lower team like a Colgate, like a Binghamton, and heck, Army and Hobart as well. And I think Hobart, I think this could be one of the best years that Hobart has had since they've gone D1. But if Syracuse loses even one of those four games to open the season before they go to their rivalry game at Johns Hopkins, that will be a loss for this program. Now, enough talking about the ACC. Let's get on to the America East, and then to end the show, I will open up the DMs and um, on Twitter and Instagram and answer some questions here. So, the America East was a bit of a, not a mess, but it was a bit different last year because UMBC did win the conference title. They lost to Marist in the uh, play-in game of the NCAA tournament. Stony Brook looked to be the best team in terms of record and how they played, uh, but they have a new head coach in Anthony Gallardi. As Jim Nagel stepped down or was fired or whatever, however you want to say it, parted ways with the university, whatever. 
So Stony Brook, while they still have returned a lot of talent, um, juniors Tim Hahn and Chris Pickle at attack, and sophomore Jack Walsh at attack as well. You know, I think it, and they they lose defenseman slash Allison Lyland Lees, who is eating it up in the pro game right now in the NLL. I think the losses on in in um, Justin Pugel, I should add as well, that defense um, was a senior as well. So I think this is a team that. I don't know if we're going to see the same success in the America East that we saw from them last year. You know, Vermont is very good. Albany is very good. Um, and I'll, I'll answer. There's a question I know in the DMs about Albany that I'll answer um, later on in the show when we do open it up to questions. But, I mean, I just can't see... Stony Brook taking this big of a step two years in a row, especially after you have a coaching change. Now it could happen. I I just don't know if I see that happening personally. I still think they're going to be a good team, among the best in the conference, but whether they can um, get to the – Get up there and um, kind of be the favorite in the conference. In the conference again, I don't know. Um, Vermont is a team that is very intriguing to me because they return two, no, they return four of their top five scorers. Three of which were freshmen last year. Now they went eight and seven overall, five and three. They had losses to Navy, Boston U, Hobart, UMass Lowell, which is a conference game, Stony Brook in a close one, obviously conference game there, at Penn, which was a close one, and end of the year with that loss to UMBC in the conference championship game. They beat Albany in the semifinals of the conference uh, tournament. On like I, I'm not gonna go ahead and I'm not gonna go out here and pick a conference champion. Also they return junior uh, senior goaltender Nick Washuda, who is one of the better goaltenders in the country, certainly among uh, not group of five, but among you know mid-major programs, you know teams outside of the ACC and Big Ten. So Vermont, to me, is a very intriguing team. You know, I honestly don't think the because of the way things ended last year, I don't think there's kind of a clear cut. In the America East. Now, I think there is, and you know, I've been asked this many times is like UMBC, for what they had last year, was impressive. What they did at the end of the year. They returned their top three scorers, 
lose two of the top five. Okay, Josh Jordan, Billy Nolan, graduate. But the top three scorers from last year, Ryan Frawley, Attackman, Senior. Trevin uh, Patchworky, Attackman, is a junior. Brett McIntyre, Attackman, is a senior. They return those three guys. I think that's pretty key for this team. They also return uh, Tommy Linger in goal, who's a junior. I was very impressed with him last year uh, when I did get to see the Retrievers play, and I've been very impressed with the job that Ryan Moran has done with this program, and I think he will be the head coach of a power program in college across sooner rather than later. You know, I thought Navy could have been a good fit for him last year. Obviously, Joe Ampel goes there, and, you know, um, Ryan Moran stays put at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. They started the year terrible last year. They were, until they beat Lafayette on March 30th, they were one, had one win. They beat Mount St. Mary's on February 23rd. Before that, they lost to Navy and Richmond. Richmond, I thought they played very well against that one, against uh, the Spiders who won the SoCon. They lost to Navy 11-6, lost to Richmond 12-7, to start the season. They then lose to Brown 13-13, to High Point 22-13, and to Vermont in the uh, America East opener 12 to 11. So that is a one and one, two, three, four. That's a one and six start to the season. They turn it around and only lose three games the rest of the season from March 30th to that um, second round game in the NCAA tournament against Penn State, or first round game because they beat Marist in the uh, play-in game. I believe earlier I said they lost to Marist in that game. They beat Marist in that game. I don't know why I said they lost that one, but they did beat Marist in that one. They lost to Penn State 25-10. to No shame in that. Um, but the fact that, like, like I'm not going to put UMBC ahead of anybody in this conference this year. I'm just not. Okay? I'm impressed with what, with what they've done. I'm impressed with how they finished the season, but I just can't see it. I think when you look at the America East this year, there is not a clear-cut favorite. Stony Brook would be for me, but they do lose, have some losses at defense, on the defensive end, and they lose their head coach. Outside of that, there's nothing else that would have put Sony Book ahead of anybody for me in this conference. If you're asking me who I think will win this conference, I think it's Vermont. But I don't think that that's a clear, that's not a clear answer from me. It would be Vermont, but again, Albany is Albany, and I know, I know, 
They went five and nine last year, four and three in their own conference. This is an Albany team that in 2018 was 16 and three, number one in the country until they lost to who? UMBC, who they also had just beaten Virginia. 16 seed beats a one seed in the NCAA tournament. The same week that number one beats an unranked team, uh, an unranked team beats number one in lacrosse. It's the same school that does that. Albany's only other losses in 2018 were to Yale, who won the national championship. And they lost to Yale. Championship weekend and the semifinals. In 2017, I'll keep going. In 2017, they went 15 and 3. They lost 10 to 9 to Syracuse to open the season. Didn't lose again until they played Maryland on April 12th. They went a whole two months without losing a game. They won the conference again. They lost to Maryland in the quarterfinals. So two of their three losses were to Maryland, who in 2017 won the national championship. But Albany fell through in 2019. It was a down year. They still retain Jacob Patterson, Dehoka Nanakoke, Kyle Casey, and Mitch Laughlin on the offensive end at attack, and uh, Casey as midfielder. They also add a pretty decent recruiting class as well. which is headlined by Isaiah Skitters out of IMG Academy. I think he'll be a day-one starter at, at Albany. So I think Albany has a lot going for them, but judging off of how they fell off last year, and I will say this, I will say this, unless Albany can, like, they're a good team. Like, when they were in the six-on-six six and, 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 and they were working how they work, they, when they were playing how Albany plays last year, they were good. But you cannot, like, and one thing I saw with them was they kind of fell apart midway through the game, second half, or just didn't start good at all. Like, they had these down, these downturns in every single game. They just can't do that this year. And I know you had the whole thing with Dehoka. Is he suspended? Is he not suspended? That ended up, you know, and the NCAA sent all their little Twitter bots onto every single lacrosse account on Twitter saying, Scott Marler's wrong, Scott Marler's wrong, and, you know, he was not suspended, the, you know, whatever. That you had the whole fiasco. But they still have some really, really good players on this team. Really good players. And goal, and this is a, 
their defense has always been a a suspect to me just because of how much offensive focus this team gets. Uh, Nate Sierski is, I believe, how you pronounce his name. Uh, as a senior, he had 52% save percentage as a, as a junior last year at Albany. So, America East, I'll say it again, there's no clear-cut favorite. Stony Brook, Albany, Vermont, UMBC are probably... I wouldn't even put UMBC in that top pack, but Stony Brook, Albany, Vermont are definitely kind of the upper echelon in this conference, but I really don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. UMBC, we'll see what they do. If they can uh, you know, finish, if they can start 28-20 the way they finished 2020, that's going to be telling for how good this team can be. Uh, UMass, Lowell, Hartford, and Binghamton, I really just cannot see them doing anything this year. No, I hope they're better. I hope they're competitive. I know Coach McKeown, he's a great coach. I know they've had some success since he's been there at his alma mater. But I just cannot see any of those teams making that much of a difference from last year to this year. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but the American East is a bit foggy this year, to say the least. Now, getting into these Twitter DMs and all of that. I have picked out some questions here that I'm going to answer. A couple I'm not going to get into, but I'm going to answer about three or five of these that I've gotten. So, um, first one coming here says... What is the ceiling for Notre Dame? Now, I talked about how Notre Dame has a bit of a youth movement going on there. They have two new assistant coaches. And, you know, Jerry Byrne, I believe, was the heart and soul of that program, you know, really with with them being a defensive-minded, defensive-focused team. I think the ceiling for Notre Dame is they can – Like, I think the ceiling for them is an NCAA tournament appearance, a second-round appearance. Like, I think the ceiling for this team is is an NCAA quarterfinal bid. They can win in the first round. I think they get to the quarterfinals. I don't think they go farther than that. If you're talking about in-conference, like, I don't... I can see them possibly get into the ACC championship game again this year. There's no way they're beating Virginia if that's the team they play. If they play a Syracuse or a North Carolina, or a du- I can't even see them beating Duke. I can see them being competing. Like I don't think Notre Dame's not going to be competitive at all this year. But the ceiling for them this year is the from my, from what I've seen from them and from what I know they have coming back is an NCAA quarterfinal bid or appearance. Next question here, another ACC one. Can Virginia repeat as ACC and Natty champs? 
I think they have the talent to, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, there's a reason that it's tough to repeat, not only in lacrosse, but in sports. Like, there's not many repeat champions, you know, outside of college football, you know, where you have Alabama and Clemson and all these teams that go on these runs. You know, there's not a lot of times where teams are able to repeat as champions. It's a tough thing to do. And a lot of it isn't even so much that you don't have the talent to. A lot of it's kind of mental. And, you know, I love Coach Tiffany. I think he's done a great job at Virginia. They have really turned that ship around from what it was in those final years under Dom Stalgia. But I just can't see them getting there again. I think the main issue for them, and the one that I see the most, is like they lost Ryan Conrad. He was a bigger piece of that team than anyone will ever know. If you like you, if you're just a general lacrosse fan and you watched that them play last year, you watched that championship game, you watched those semifinals. Watch Ryan, go back and watch that. Watch Ryan Conrad. Watch what he did for this team. I think the mindset of this team is, you know, I don't think they're thinking to repeat. I think they're thinking we're just going to win every game. And you got to go game by game. I know that sounds cliche, but I don't think I can't see them repeating. Like, can they get back there? Yeah, but it's going to be tough, right? Like, we saw Yale. Yale tripped up a few times last year, right, against Penn. There was a time when I thought they weren't going to make it back to the championship, but they ended up beating Penn in overtime in the quarterfinals, and they beat, who is it? They beat um in the semis. Was it Duke? I believe they had to beat in the semis. Um, oh, no, Penn State. They beat Penn State in the semis, won all those faceoffs. I can guarantee you, if they didn't have TD Irwin, they wouldn't have been in like they wouldn't have been in the position they were in. So, you know, a lot of it's situational. A lot of it's just uh, by chance. A lot of it is it, it is situational. And I don't think Virginia is going to be. I'm not saying they can't repeat, but I don't think it's likely for them to happen. Um, ACC champs, yeah, I can see them doing that, but national champions probably not. Um, this next one here is Albany bounce back. Um, I just spent a, a good bit talking about Albany, um, working at the America, excuse me, at the America East. I think they can, but I don't know. Like, I think they're definitely much better this year than they were last year. But as I mentioned, I think it's a, a big piece of it is just leadership and cohesiveness. And I'm not saying that they don't have anybody on the team that's able to be a leader or, you know, bring this team together. But you watched Lyle Thompson, the way he led, the way he handled himself, the way he did things, right? When you watched that, and then you watched him kind of pass that knowledge on to Connor Fields, and then you saw Connor Fields kind of pass that on to Dehoka Nanakoke. You know, it's not that Dehoka can't lead. It's not that Dehoka is not capable of doing those things because, honestly, you give him the ball, he can go to the rack. Same way that Connor did, same way that Lyle did. But I think a lot of it, and it's not Dehoka, like, it's not him. Like, people who keep on putting it on 
this team, every people I, I get people all the time tell me that all the failures that Albany's had last year was from Dahoka. Dahoka brought this team down. If you honestly think that, how many guys are on the field at one time? Ten, including the goalie. Okay? So if you honestly think that, you might want to go get a life because that is simply not true. Albany can bounce back. But again, they're going to have to have some kind of leadership. Somebody's got to step up other than Maul. Because your head coach can't hold your hand. And Scott Maul, he loves, he has a fluid locker room. He's, he's an open character, if you know what I mean by that. He's not going to, he's not the authoritarian. He is not Bear Bryant. He is not that authority figure. Yes, he's an authority figure in terms of he's that coach, but he's a bit more lenient in certain things. He lets guys be who they are. He lets you make mistakes, and hey, you made this mistake. Learn from it, and let's do it better next time. He's not going to be up your butt the entire game. So it's just the... It's not that the culture that he has there or that they have there is wrong or bad. It's just that it might take a different type of leadership and there might be some things that some guys need to do differently that I think they learned from last year. So definitely Albany, I expect them to be better this year. I expect I especially expect them to be better than five and nine. Two more questions here. <clears throat> This one, back to the ACC, says Duke was the team of the 2010s. Are they going to be, or are they going to continue that success in the 2020s? I think so. Um, and look, you have to remember where they were when you entered the 2010s. Um, you had the Duke lacrosse scandal and all of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. There's a book, there's a ESPN did a 30 for 30 on it. There's an entire Wikipedia page. You can read all of about it. Um, they had that happen to them, and Mike Pressler got out of there, right? He went bye-bye. And in comes, Matt, in comes John Donowski. John, I, I, and look at what they've been doing in, in recruiting. Look who they have coming in. Not just who they have coming in this year, because they have some good guys coming in this year as well, but look who they got coming in in 2020 and 2021. I don't think they're going to win the national championship or do any of that this year. I think they can certainly get back to championship weekend. But they're not going away in the 2020s, fellas. If any of y'all out there think that Duke is not going to have the same success or similar success in the 2020s that they had in the 2010s, you're delusional because in Brennan O'Neill, he's in the 2020 class. What they're getting in him is a generational player that can like impact the program the second he steps on campus. It is unbelievable. 
Zion Williamson impact on the lacrosse field. I am not kidding you. You haven't watched him? Go just just look up Brennan O'Neill on YouTube. And then they got Andrew McAdoy, who's high school teammates with O'Neill and is a junior now. He's the number one player in the 2021 class. He's coming in too. Duke's got like three of the top ranked players in the 2020 and 2021 class signed, uh, committed in 2020, uh, signed in 2020, committed in 2021. So they're doing some dangerous things on the the recruiting trail that are going to impact this program for years to come. Last question here, and um, let's see. I have a lot of ACC questions. I've only answered one America East question, so I'll go back to America East one. How long will Ryan Milan be at UMBC, and where would the best fit for him be as a head coach in either the ACC or the Big Ten? Um, I'm not ready to say that he's going to be at UMBC. Like, I certainly don't think he is a lifer. You know what I mean? I don't think he's going to be there for 10 years or anything like that. But when you look at where he's been in the past, and I'm going to pull up his uh, profile right here. I cannot remember exactly where he's been in the past, but... And you know his his dad is a legendary coach as well. Um, I think he's gonna be there maybe three more years. So okay, before that he was an uh, offensive coordinator at Loyola, um, helped them to the twenty sixteen uh, NCAA semis. Um, he was also at Maryland. As well, uh, he started his coaching career at Navy Prep. That's why I thought he might have been a good fit there for Navy. Um, I think the best place for him in terms of a Big Ten or an ACC job would be Maryland. And I don't think that John Tillman's leaving there anytime soon. Um, I would expect to see Ryan Moran go to maybe a sm- not a smaller job in terms of on the same level as where he is now, but I can see him going to maybe, you know, I don't see him immediately going to an ACC Big Ten school. I think maybe a Patriot League school, maybe Loyola, but that's a stretch. And a lot of these big-time schools have guys that they're going to have locked in for a while right now. Barring any, any any kind of unseen circumstance. The one place that, it's not a big time program, but I think it's a step up in from UMBC that I think I could see him go is Hofstra. Um, it's, I think that would be a place that he could be very good at and could build something similar to what he's done at UMBC already, and you do have all that Long Island talent there. So you just have to tap into it correctly, which 
I don't think Seth Tooney's done nearly good enough there. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but I don't think he's going anywhere for the next three to five years. So to say that he's going to go anywhere, and this is his, um, I believe this past year was just his third year there. So to say that he's going to go anywhere you know, in the next two years, I think is premature. So likely that he would go somewhere, I believe, because he's been coaching in Maryland pretty much his entire college coaching his entire college coaching career, I think somewhere in that state would probably suit him best. Um, but I don't think you know Johns Hopkins. Y'all can say what you want about Dave Petchamala. I don't. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. I know his contract, there is a contract, I believe this is a contract year for, for Petrobala, but I would expect that to be re-signed and extended. Um, Loyola, you know, where Milan was before he went to UMBC, I don't think that's a job that's going to be open for quite a while. Mount St. Mary's would be a step down, in, in my opinion. But um, like a, a, a place like a Hofstra or some place like that where they've had success in the past and maybe not to the success of a Maryland, but certainly a step up in a sense from UMBC. Uh, but I think he's locked in there for about three to five years is when I could see him. Um, leaving there for a better job. All right, guys, that is it for this week's, uh, or this episode of the NCAA Lacrosse Preview Podcast, ACC in America East. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back with more NCAA previews throughout the next couple of weeks. Uh, coming up next is the Big East and the Big Ten. Y'all know where to find us, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.